Today's shir begins 16 lines from the top of Daf Yud Gimel. You'll see a quote from the Mishnah. The Mishnah had contained a number of words that were associated with sacrifices. Ke'imra, Kedirim. The literal meanings of the words are not of absolute importance. Imro means sheep, but it's a reference to the sheep that would be offered as the daily sacrifice in the base of English. Dirim is a reference to the the sheep uh, corrals or pens that uh, held those animals, or were the storage rooms of the wood that was offered on the altar. Now the Gemara, Tona, Imra, Li'imra, Ki'imra, if a person says uh, that that which I will uh, give you is Imra, or Li'imra, Ki'imra, uh, we've seen that the Lamed before the word many times can be, uh, can be low as well, but each uh, case has to be judged on its own. The this brisa you'll see toward the end concludes in all of these cases if he says she'ocheloch, so then uh, it is also it's binding. So you have to imagine as you see each word, it's going to follow with the expression of she'ocheloch. For example, imra she'ocheloch, that that which I give you is imra is a is a tomid is a korban. So if you're saying that the that which I would give you is a korban. Uh, that means that that which I'm providing to you is aser. Or if you explain shocholoch means that that which I eat from you shall be unto me as an imra, as a sheep, which is a korban. So I'm in effect saying that I am I'm forbidding myself from benefiting from your food as it as if it were a korban. And the same applies to all of these words. So we continue in the source dirim ledirim kedirim dirim meaning a uh, a pen where the sheep were stored, the sacrificial animals were stored, or the wood to be offered on the Mizbeach was stored. Also an item that was uh, made usher through your imposing upon it restriction. Eitzim, li-eitzim, ke-eitzim, eitzim being the wood. Ishim, li-ishim, ke-ishim, ishim are is a reference to that which is offered on the fire of the Mizbeach. Mizbeach, la Mizbeach, ke Mizbeach. Hechal lehechal kehechal hechal is the enclosed portion of the base hamikdash. Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, Kirushalayim, Kulon. Any of these expressions, she'oicheloch aser. Rashi, a little less than halfway down. Kulon she'oicheloch aser. The Chiyomar keimra she'oicheloch. If one says that, then domi keman deomar. It's as if he's saying yeoser olai. Uh, I am forbidding upon myself that which I would eat from you. Notice this is in the negative. Instead of it's mutter. The mashma, because that would imply if I will eat from you, it will not be like the uh, sacrifice umuter, and therefore it would be allowed. 
Now we continue in the Gemara. Man shaminon lei, delo shoni lei imra limra kimra. Who is the Tana that makes no distinction uh, in these words? Uh, namely, the prefix uh, presence or lack thereof is of no uh, distinction. In any of these cases, if he says, Sha'uchel uh, loch, it will be Osir. Who is the Tana that holds that? Rebbe, Mayor, he. You'll notice we have a new marking on the side under the Mivneh, heading the structural note we indicate. This is Havlotas Rebbe Meir, Kedelaharos HaKushya Mutoran Osir. We want to see, uh, we want to highlight a question that we are just now starting, uh, and this marking will help. So, Rebbe Meir is the one that would make no distinction. Rashi, Rebbe Meir, he, the polygolate Rebuda, who argues with Rebuda, the Rebuda, less Imra. Rebbe Yehuda, on the other, other hand, would not acknowledge the expression Imra, the word without a prefix to it, as having any vow significance. Yomar, he has, he's on record as having said, we've learned this before, if you say Yerushalayim without saying, so you've said nothing. So therefore, this Tanaic source that has no name to it must be Rebbe Meir. As, just to repeat ourselves, it says, Imra Sheikhalach is binding. Ema Seifa. And here we have a long question. Continue reading the source, and then what do you see in the Seifa? The Kulan, any of these expressions, Loi Oichelach Mutter. If you say any of these expressions and follow it by the term or the phrase lo ocheloch, then there's no vow. The hotanan, but do we not have in the next Mishnah the following? Le korbon lo ocheloch, Rebbe Meir Oser. Notice the markings. A moment ago, we said that the source was authored by Rebbe Meir. And, and here we have the Seifa of that source authored by Rabbi Meir saying uh, Now we have the next Mishnah notice the dashed underlining where you also have a phrase and Rabbi Meir holding Aser, it is binding. Fiyomar Rabbi Abba and Rabbi Abba explains why it's binding. When a person says L'korban L'ocheloch it is as if the person is saying, "Lekorban yehei lefikach lo ocheloch." I am declaring uh, that which you have as a korban, and therefore I cannot eat from what you have. So, how do we resolve the uh, seeming contradiction within Rabbi Meir? Lo kashia. There is no distinct. No is there is no contradiction. Hadamar loy imra. The conclusion of the source that said, uh, the Brysa the that we saw that said Mutter is where he said, Lo Imra, Lo Ocheloch. However, if he says, Le Imra, with a lamet alone, not as a separate la, uh, word Lo, but the Le Imra, that is where Rabbi Abba's explanation is uh, relevant and 
as Rabbi Abel said, if a person would say le korban uh, lo it's as if he's saying le korban yehei le fikof lo ochelach. The Mishnah. <clears throat> On the side, we have a topic heading in Osei, <clears throat> and we feature here two uh, vow possibilities: korban sheochelach, lo korban lo ochelach. So the the first presents matters in the we'll say in the positive korban sheochelach. The second uh, phrase is in uh, there's a negative lo korban lo ochelach. We continue now in the Mishnah. Oimer, korban. We have a colon here because the uh, the person isn't actually saying korban, but he's saying oila, mincha, chatos, toido, shlomim. All of these are names of different sacrifices. Sheani uh, ochelach. In other words, he says oila yehei sheochelach, which is tantamount to saying that that which I would be eating from you shall be unto me like an oila, or unto me like a mincha, or a chata. See, these are all sacrifices, and hence he's saying that, and the sacrifice, of course, is per, uh, is prohibited to benefit from. So, if you're saying that the your food is unto me like a sacrifice, it's like something dedicated to the altar, I can't eat from it. It's also Rebuda Matir. Rebuda doesn't uh, say, Rebuda doesn't agree that these are expressions that are binding because he doesn't use the prefix, the chof. He doesn't say ke'ola or kemincha. Um, we've explained this in the past, of course, but the, the chof is, according to Rebuda, is essentially you're saying that the that which I eat from you will be unto me like an ola. If you don't say like an ola, you're, rather you say it is an ola. So a contributor that has no meaning. More expressions. Ha korbon ke korbon korbon sheocheloch aser le korbon lo ocheloch Rebbe Meir oser. Number of these points we've seen in the past. Kotoning, it says in this Mishnah, Ha Korbon, Kikorbon, Korbon, Sheoichelach, Osir. Stamo Tano Kerebi Meir, the unnamed section of the Mishnah, the opening of the Mishnah. I should say the, uh, not, let me retract that. This unnamed section of the Mishnah, uh, the middle of the Mishnah, Korban, Kikorban, Korban, Shochaloch, uh, and its binding, that works out to be like Rebbe Meir. Stamo means an unnamed section of the Mishnah. So you have this unnamed section working out like Rebbe Meir, where Deloshoni Lebein Imra, Le Imra, makes no distinction whether you use the basic word without a prefix or the word with a prefix. This is, of course, Rabbi Meir in, in, in contrast to Rabbi Huda that we already emphasized before, says that if you don't have the prefix letter, it does not constitute a vow. The Gemara continues, E. Rabbi Meir, and the uh, use of this house marking is similar to the way we used the diamond marking before. 
in order to enable us to highlight the question that's coming up. So if the Mishnah is Rebbe Meir, Ha de Kotani, the uh, Mishnah continues by saying, and of course we have an arrow here to show where this quote is coming from, it said in the Mishnah HaKorbon, and a couple other possibilities, using the phrase Sha'uchelach Oser. Such a vow would be binding. So far, we're saying that that is Rebbe Meir, because we're saying that our mission is authored by Rebbe Meir. Ah, but do we not have a brisa that reads as follows? Moidim chachomim Rebuda. And the expression Moidim chachomim is really a reference to Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir concedes to Rebbe Huda, where a person says, Ha, Korban. And there are a few other expressions, but if you just focus on the dashed underlining, you'll see if a person says Ha Korban and next line She'oichelach, the result is Mutter. And compare this with what we've said in our Mishnah, you see a contradiction. So we can t- let's read the, uh, the Bryce again, where the Chachomer Moedit to Rabbi Yudah, and the Chachomer is Rabbi Meir is saying, Ha Korban, the Ha Oila, the Ha Mincha, the Ha Chatos, by saying ha korban it's as if he's saying I am vowing in the life of the sacrifice it's a meaningless expression in the life of the sacrifice therefore there's no vow so I hope that with the uh, markings you can focus on the problem on the one hand our Mishnah, which is associated with Rebbe Meir, is saying, Hokarbon Sheolchalach is Osir. We have a Brisa in which Rebbe Meir is saying, Hokarbon Sheolchalach is not binding. The Gemara answers, we turn to the top of Omid Bey's Loi Kashi. There is no contradiction. And you might have guessed this even before we get to the answer. Ha Diyamar Hokarbon, Veha Diyamar Hakarbon. Is it a separate word, namely ha, hey aleph ha korban? That's what the brisa was talking about. That it's mutter because ha korban is mashma implies in the life of the sacrifice, and the mishnah which says that it is binding is where he says ha korban, the hey as a prefix to the word korban. Now, my taima, why is it that in the Bryce, if you say ha korban, there is no vow? Chaye korban ko'omar. It's as if he's saying in the life of the sacrifice, which is a meaningless expression. Kotani. It was taught, le korban lo ocheloch rebi meir oser. The understanding right now of this and this is, we've seen already a number of times, but the, uh, we see it, uh, we have to explain it again though, for those who might not have uh, seen it previously. By saying, the thinking right now is, that it's like, it's as if he's saying, the, the Lamed being understood as, as, a, a, as, as the word low. Not a Korban, uh, I will not be eating from you, so that which I will be eating from you shall be like a korban. 
And Rabbi Meir is reported here as saying that this is binding. But the Holesle, the Rabbi Meir, but Rabbi Meir doesn't hold by inference as a means of reaching conclusions. The only way to take this phrase, at least, I say the only way at this point, the only way to take this phrase of la korban lo ocheloch and have it sound like a vow is by drawing the inference from it. The phrase itself means uh, that which I uh, won't be eating from you is not like a korban. But that which I will be eating from you is unto me like a korban. How can Rebbe Mayer say that that's a binding vow when in order to come to the uh, implication of prohibition, you have to rely on inference uh, reasoning. The Gemara answers, Omer Rebbe Abba, Nasek Omer L'Korbun Yehei L'Fikach Lo Ocheloch. Since the word appears as L'Korbun and not Lo Korbun, there is room to understand it like Rabbi Abba does. And it's mean, it means, as a korban shall be that which I would be, eat, would be that which I would be eating from you, and therefore I cannot eat it from, I cannot eat your food. The Mishnah. Ha'imer pi mi person says to his friend, Konam, my mouth, Konam is a kinui, we saw this at the beginning of the Masechta, it's a, an alternative expression referring to a sacrifice, so it's like saying my, my uh, mouth is like a sacrifice with regard to conversing with you. And my, my hands are are like a koinom with regard to uh, helping you, to a- actions done for you. And my feet are prohibited like a korban with regard to walking together with you. And the Mishnah says that these are binding vows. Viromino, we raise a contradiction to the Mishnah from another source, a Mishnah later on. Uh, you should point out we, that we have a brackets. Uh, um, I, I should uh, let me just be a little more accurate. Uh, we're quoting now a Tanaic source. Uh, on the side, there's a reference that this source is from a Toisefta in uh, the first parak of Maseches Shavuos. So the first part of the source you'll notice is bracketed. The reason for the brackets is that the problem is found in the second part of this source. We're raising the source as a contradiction to the Mishnah. So first we'll skip the bracketed section and we'll read the, the just read the, the text of the source. Shavuos have a stringency that is not found in the realm of Nidorim, Shvuas being uh, translated possibly as oaths versus Nidorim, which we translate as vows, different types of restrictive speech. The uh, um, strength of a Shvua is that 
it can be articulated regarding matters that are non-physical, non-tangible or corporeal, like actions, as opposed to vows. Vows are object-related. Now, in, is it not so that in our Mishnah, the person is trying to uh, impose uh, by uh, by uh, way of vow, speech and uh, working and walking, those are all actions. How can a vow be effective regarding things that are actions? Uh, our Mishnah doesn't speak about a Shavua. Only in the realm of a Shavua does it take hold. That is essentially the question. We'll now go over the entire source. The uh, first part of the source, though, is, um, let's say, not the focus of our discussion. The Rominu, we raise as a challenge to the uh, Mishnah. If you like, you can glance at the side. We have a topic heading for this section. Even though we've already explained it, let's read what we have on the side. How is it possible to prohibit speech or walking through a neder, through a vow, when we know as a principle that nedorim, vows do not uh, take effect on matters that are not of substance, of physical substance, as is, a, is an object, for example. The Gemara continues, the, uh, the two principles, Choymer b'shuos mi b'dorem, u'b'nedorem mi b'shuos. There is a realm of stringency within the shvuos that you don't find by nedorem, and the realm of nedorem has a stringency that you don't find by shvuos. Choymer b'nedorem, shanedorem cholem al ha-mitzvah kibirishus ma-she'en kein b'shvuos. Within the realm of nedorem, there is a possibility of imposing a prohibition which would prevent a person from performing a mitzvah. Now we're not giving we're not going to give a very specific or detailed example of that. That's uh, that's for the Gemara to do in another section, not right now. But suffice it to say that in the realm of Nidorim, a person could end up experiencing, we'll say, a um, restriction from doing a mitzvah. In other words, if he were to do the mitzvah, he'll be in violation of the neder. Just like nedarim uh, are applicable to the realm of things that are totally optional, non-mitzvah items. Masha'en king b'shuas. In the realm of shvuas, if a person were to, let us say, take be nishba. He'll take a shvuah not to mekayim a certain mitzvah. And then he goes in, in, ahead and is mekayim the mitzvah. Is he in violation of his shvuah? No, he's not in violation of his shvuah. Why not? Because he's mushba made meharsina v'ein shvuah chalal shvuah. He's already bound as being part of the covenantal community that accepted the yoke of mitzvahs at Mount Sinai to fulfill, to perform the mitzvahs. How in the world could he come and initiate a personal shvuah that would counter the original shvuah? You can't impose a shvuah upon, superimpose a shvuah on a pre-existing shvuah. Therefore, shvuahs are, are uh, 
non-starters when it comes to a shvua not to not to uh, fulfill a mitzvah. And there's a stringency ascribed to Shavuos that you don't find by Nidorim. Shavuos have relevance. They they chalos. Uh, they take effect on not only the physical but also on the abstract things that are that are uh, non. Physical per se, but rather actions. Masha ain't came benedorim. If just keep us keep things simple, a person let us say swears not to speak. So if he speaks, he's then in violation of his shvuah. If a person says I I am no dare not to speak, and then he speaks, it's it doesn't take effect because a neder is not chal doesn't have effect on something that is. Uh, that is not uh, substantive or not uh, of substance. So what about our Mishnah? Is, is our Mishnah not describing a nether, yes, uh, uh, setting in, taking effect on something that is of an action nature as opposed to a, as opposed to a specific uh, object? Um, Rav Yudha, so Rav Yudha explains, our Mishnah is to be understood as follows. He is saying in vow terminology, in neder terminology, Yeoser pi ladiburi. I am prohibiting my mouth. Notice the focus on the object, on something physical. One's mouth is a physical entity. And he says that my mouth shall be restricted with regard to its speech. Yodai. My hands are restricted with regard to their production. My feet are restricted with regard to their walking. Now, limbs are something that in Hebrew we would say it's something of substance. And hence, the Mishnah that says the vow sets, up, sets in is referring to that uh, phrasing. Daikonami, by careful reading of the mission, you can see a hint to this in the words. Tikotoni, the Mishnah says, Pi midaberi mach. There is, in fact, already a focus on the limb when you read the Mishnah. Pi means my mouth is restricted with regard to speaking with you. Velokotoni, it, it doesn't say in the Mishnah, She'ani medaberi moch. He doesn't say in the Mishnah, Koinim she'ani medaberi moch. That would have been a vow on an action. And of course, that would not take effect. But the Mishnah uh, focuses on the limb, and therefore, even a neder can take effect. And, and now, as, as you can see, we have been zeichet to complete the first parak of Nedarim, and we continue now with the second parak. Before we read the Mishnah of the beginning of the second parak, on the side we have a nosei topic heading: Hanoder Shematbis Bedavar Haaser. Someone uh, attempts to take a vow, and as we've mentioned so many times already, in vowing one, in order to formulate a vow, you have to compare the item that you're trying to prohibit to something that was made restricted, that was pro- made prohibited uh, 
by your having made it such, as opposed to comparing the item that you want to restrict now to an item that was pre-restricted even without your imposing a prohibition. And we'll have very simple examples. So if a person is matpis, that's the concept we just finished describing, the governor ha'osr, in something that is uh, pre-restricted, kemo, chazer, lo bedover ha'nodor, and not something that you made prohibited kekorban like a sacrifice, ain ha'neder chal. So the if you if you don't operate within the the formula of vows, you will not have an effective vow. The elu mutorim, the Mishnah. The following are mutorim, meaning they're not considered a vow. Uh, don't translate this by the way of saying uh, it's like it's mutter to say these things. We don't want people to be loose in their speech. We don't encourage people just to go ahead and say these things. But what we're interested is what is the effect of the speech. Uh, so if you say the following, you'll discover there is no vow. V'elu mutarn chulin she'ochelach or keboser chazir. If a person would say that keboser chazir she'ochelach, that that which I eat from you, that your food is unto me like pig. Ke'avodis kechavim. Uh, like uh, like an idol, Eros levuvin is an is a an example of a well an article of idolatry. Without translating, Eros levuvin is discussed uh, at a greater extent in Maseches of Zorah. Kinevelos ketrefos nevelos is forbidden meat that uh, comes from an animal that hadn't been slaughtered, or ketrefos animals that are uh, forbidden to eat because. They have a type of, uh, um, let's say, uh, organ deficiency. Kishkotsim, uh, kiramosim, these are forbidden creatures in the Torah. Kechalas aron, kichrumoso, or you say to a, a person that your food is unto me like chalas aron. That's the dough tithe given from everyone, anyone's personal dough assuming he uh, prepares a dough of a, a minimum significant amount, and if he says that your food is unto me like truma, like the truma tithe offered to Kehanim, mutter, there is no uh, vow. person says to his wife, uh, you are unto me like my mother. Now, one's mother is certainly prohibited, uh, for a, a man, a son cannot cohabit with his mother, and so he says something along those lines. Uh, but the he and, he and he he says to his wife that you're unto me like my mother, uh, uh, not referring, of course, to her cooking. Here we just got, we're just going to translate the mission. We have to leave room for a Gemara discussion that. Uh, revolves around this part of the Mishnah later on. So, we say that if a person says to his wife that you are unto me like my mother, so we attempt to uh, release him from such a vow uh, from mimokom uh, acher, resorting to, uh, we'll say, another realm uh, in order that he does not 
treat uh, vows in a in a light, uh, offhanded fashion. Um, on the side of the Gemara, we have a no say topic heading Ma Milamedes Hamila Chulin She Oichaloch Mishnah. Say in our Mishnah, we saw the word Chulin. Person says Chulin, uh, which is permitted food, mundane, common food. That which uh, I will eat from you is unto me like Chulin. The Gemara. Taimo. The reason that there is no net air, there is no neder, the Omar Chulin Shochalach. The Mishnah said that if a person says Chulin Shochalach, the, the, the result of that mutter. Does that not leave room for uh, drawing a, uh, an inference? Ha'oimer, however, had he said Lichulin Shochalach, Mashma, by saying Lichulin Shochalach, it gives us the impression that you're saying lo lechulin lehevei elo korban so uh, again this is first impressions if a person were to have said lechulin shacholach that would have taken effect and and why? because by saying that you're saying not chulin uh, not chulin uh, means uh, chulin is that which is common or mundane. The opposite of that is something sanctified. So not chulin shall be, but rather a korban uh, that shall be unto me that which I eat from you. And the result of that would be also be for prohibited. Moni masnisin. Uh, according to whom is our Mishnah? Namely, if a person would say, Lechulin, so Lechulin she'oichelach, that would be a vow. <coughs> well, who, who, would, who would say that? E. Rebbe Meir, if it would be in accordance with Rebbe Meir, it, it, it couldn't possibly be, because Halesley, Michlal, we continue at the top of Daf Yudalid. Uh, he does not hold from the uh, concept of in order to go from the expression lo, uh, right, that is uh, not chulin shall be that which I will eat from you so what then is what I be, would be eating from you well if it's not chulin but yes, a korban. That's called that's called michlalav, deriving from the negative to a positive. Because by saying lichulin shalach, as the Gemara said, that sounds as if he's saying not chulin shall be, but rather yes, a korban, and therefore. Uh, I won't be able to eat from you because I'm declaring your food unto myself like a korban. That reasoning or that method of drawing a conclusion is the method Rabbi Meir does not accept because that's called So who is the author of our Mishnah with all that it implies? It can't be Rabbi Meir. So, Rabbi Huda. So the Gemara continues by suggesting our Mishnah would be in accordance with Rabbi Huda. If that's the case, but Hainu Reisha. Hainu Reisha means in the first parak we've already learned this. Rashi reminds us of that, and he tells us 
back in on Daf Yud Omid Beis, the Mishnah said Lichulin Sheochaloch. Uh, uh, and we had a Mishnah that we we established was in accordance with Rabbi Yehuda, and therefore, why does it have to be taught again over here? The Gemara answers: Aidi de Katani kebasar chazir kavidus kechovim. The Mishnah taught other examples of things where a neder is not chal, so it threw in. But not that we should see the word chulin and then start asking, well, what does this infer? So we're not attempting to draw any uh, inferences from the Mishnah, uh, like we said, what, like we thought it beforehand. Rather, you see, it says it says chulin sheocholach muter. Uh, that's all. Not uh, to say, well, had he said hochulin, or, or had he said lichulin, so it would have been a vow. Ravina Omar Hochi Kotani. Ravina has another approach to explaining the Mishnah. Vielu Mutaren Kachulin. The following are Mutter, just like Hulin. Meaning, just like if a person were to say chulin, he said nothing, and you don't even, there's not even a hint of a vow. Meaning, you don't have to seek out uh, the absolution of the vow by going to a, a, a sage, a Torah scholar, for heter nedorim, because nothing has gotten off the ground. And what are those phrases if a person would say in his vowing, Kibasar Chazir, Kavuris Kechovim. Ve'ilotona Chulin, here the Gemara explains the significance of the word Chulin in the Mishnah, uh, 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 had, because had I not taught the, that, Have Amina, I would have thought, Boi She'ela. That if a person were to say that, you know, that your food is unto me like pig meat, well, you should go to a sage to have it rescinded. In other words, there's, there's some element of a vow there. So by, by adding to the Mishnah, we're telling you, what you by saying, it's nothing. You don't have to go to a sage to seek the, the uh, absolution or the reversal of the vow. Because there is no vow to begin with. The Gemara raises a question on, on this explanation. You'll notice that it's a question that lasts four lines. Would you really have thought that? Namely, that without the word chulin, Someone who would say, that your food is unto me like pig meat, you would have, yes, had to gone for uh, vow um, absolution to a chocham. Ah, but homik de kotoni seifa. From the fact that at the end of the Mishnah, we see this phenomenon. once says to his wife, here we seek absolution for such a vow. 
that in the opening part of the Mishnah, there was no thought of turning to a sage for vow absolution. So rather, machvarta means it's more likely like approach number one. Notice on the second line from the top, we had written in a number one. The Gemara here is saying go back to that answer and that the presence of the word chulin really is of no halachic significance. It's just brought in along with the other expressions that uh, show that there is no uh, that, the other expressions that represent a non-vow. From where do we know that when you formulate a vow and you, and, and you compare the item to something that was, that was pre-prohibited, that there is no vow? Omar Kroh, Ish ki dor neder lashem. Of course, a quote from the Pasuk, from which we learn, Achi adur bedavar hanadur that the vow doesn't take hold unless you parallel the item you're trying to prohibit to something that itself was made prohibited through a vow. Well, ihachi, if that's the way you are, say, approaching the uh, scriptural uh, uh, terminology, the scriptural turn of phrase, well then, afilu b'dovro tsunami. Then why do you preclude the possibility of comparing something to something that was pre-prohibited as being also as being a non-vow to hawk sieve if you does it not say less or isor al nafsho and just like you said kidor uh, neder that turn of phrase yidor neder means that the, the the neder has to be something that was made usher by you well less or isor also implies something that was already also before you made a vow. Something that, that you're comparing something that was prohibited even without your having made it prohibited. Like the uh, horse meat example. The Gemara says, Les or Esar, that part of the Pasuk, that phrase, Miboya Lei Lechedetanya. I need that for a separate point of information. For that which was taught earlier, back on Daf Yud Beis, and here the Gemara simply quotes the, a reference to that source without elaborating. Uh, so it's needed for that teaching. Uh, Rashi, the, the Ran has, a, has a, an interesting elaboration on this. And if we look at it together, the Ran on the first of the extreme wide lines, the end of line, uh, from which we learn, that when you are pro- prohibiting something and basing it upon something that was made usur, that was made prohibited only to you alone, a personal prohibition, the nether is effective. The love high craw, if not for this posik of lesser isar, have amino, I would have thought that ki do nether, that the that vow formulation uh, whereby we say it has to be paralleled to something else that was made usher uh, previously, mikol nether. 
Only if you parallel the item, well, let's use the, the example we've been using since the beginning of the Mesifta, this kikar, this loaf of bread, is prohibited unto me like, and then you have to say like, something else that's also to everybody, not just also to me alone. Kamashmal and Kaw, the last Sarisar, so the Posik, last Sarisar tells me that even if you parallel the loaf of bread to something that was made also to you alone, that too is considered a, a uh, proper vow formulation, an effective vow uh, formulation. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.